You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello everyone, you are listening to a bonus episode of the 50 Years Ago in Hockey podcast. I'm your host, Rick Cole, and as you know, each week we bring you hockey news from this week, 50 years ago. Our previous episode this week, we talked about the National Hockey League meetings that were being held in Montreal, during which the expansion draft to stock the Buffalo and Vancouver new teams was going to be held. The first ever amateur draft, whereby all graduating junior hockey players from Canada were going to be available to all teams, was also going to be held this week. And that's what we're going to be talking about this time around. We want to quickly mention our two sponsors, newspapers.com, the world's largest online archive of newspapers, gives us most of the ammunition that we have for our research. And the Breakwall Brewing Company in beautiful downtown Port Coburn, Ontario, they make some of the best craft beers on the planet and have wonderful pub food as well, right now available for takeout. And you can also pick up a few uh, beverages for takeout as well, thanks to the relaxed rules around the sale of alcoholic beverages. So as I mentioned, this is a follow-up episode to our last show, kind of an extra one this week, because there was just way too much news to cover in one 45 to 50 minute episode. There was a lot of stuff happening. We talked about most of that, but the two main events is what I want to concentrate on this time around. That's the Buffalo Vancouver expansion draft. And as we mentioned, that first ever fully wide open amateur draft. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you an actual blow by blow account of every player selection in the expansion draft. Uh, we'll try and introduce you a bit to each player as, as they're taken and we'll give you the highlights, uh, the main players that were taken in the amateur draft as well. There was also a little bit of drama after the expansion draft finished and we're going to have that for you too. So Let's get right to it. So on Wednesday of this week, uh, that was the day the expansion draft was to be held, and that was considered the main event for the week. Uh, the draft was to be held in two stages. The first stage would be the skater draft, where 18 players would be taken by each of Buffalo and Vancouver for a th- total of 36. No team of the established teams could lose more than three skaters and they could fill with the player from their unprotected list for each of the first two players that they lost. The second phase of the draft would be the goalkeeper draft. Buffalo and Vancouver would each select two netminders and no team could lose more than one goalie. 
Now, we talked about earlier in the week the order of selection that was determined by that crazy spin of the roulette wheel with Buffalo earning the first choice in the expansion draft. What that meant would be the Sabres would choose first in the skater draft, but in the goalkeeper phase of the draft, the Canucks had the first order of selection. So National Hockey League President Clarence Campbell kicked off the festivities by announcing the rules that we just mentioned and then proclaiming with great regal elegance that the first order of selection belonged to Buffalo. That was his cue, or I should say the cue for the Sabres to make their selection. And Punch Imlach didn't waste any time in announcing that he was taking right winger Tommy Webster from the Boston Bruins. There was an audible gasp from the Boston table, a lot of consternation on Boston executives' faces, and the word double cross was uttered by someone in the Bruins group. We weren't able to identify who said it. Everybody in the Boston entourage was glaring at Imlac, who had a smug, I know something you don't, look on his face. Milt Schmidt grunted that Boston would fill with Garnet Bailey, and the first draft of the uh, first pick of the draft was in the books. Wasn't over there though. Tom Webster was taken by the Sabres, 22 year old right winger, graduate of the Niagara Falls Flyers of the Ontario Hockey Association. He spent most of the previous season with Oklahoma City of the Central League, where he scored 29 goals, added 35 assists, first 64 points. He also played nine games with the Bruins, where he had two assists. The Canucks uh, general manager Bud Poyle was equally anxious to get his first pick out of the way and he announced that they were taking yet another of the Bruins defenseman Gary Doak a right-handed defenseman the Bruins filled it with a fellow by the name of Danny Shaw unknown to most hockey fans he filled their list now Doak is a 26 year old uh, defenseman from Godrich Ontario and he played his junior A for the Hamilton Red Wings uh, most of last year he was with the Bruins and in 44 games he had a goal and seven assists for eight points he spent a few weeks down with Oklahoma City in the Central League as well Sabres were up with their second pick and they took a fine young defenseman named Alan Hamilton from the New York Rangers and the Rangers immediately filled with another defenseman another youngster by the name of Mike Robitaille Hamilton 6'1", 195 pounds. He's from Flin Flon, Manitoba, and he was with the Rangers most of last year playing 59 games. Uh, it was his first full season in the NHL. He's just 24 years old or will be this summer. Vancouver's second pick was veteran Ur Orland Curtin back from the Rangers. Big Kurt has often been described as the heavyweight champion of the National Hockey League. He stands six foot two, weighs in at a trim 180, and he had four goals and 10 assists in 53 games with New York. This guy is definitely captain material. He's a leader through and through. To kick off round three, 
punch him lack of the Sabres, took a wily veteran from the Rangers, left winger Don Marshall. The Rangers didn't have to fill anyone because Marshall was the third player picked from their team and basically Emil Francis can go to sleep because they don't have to worry about anything for the rest of this process. Don Marshall has been a National Hockey League regular since 1954-55 when he broke into stay with Montreal. Last season in New York, Don had a, a rough time due to a lot of injuries, but in 57 games, he still managed to score 27, 24 points made up of 9 goals, 15 assists. Vancouver's third choice was one of the very few offensively gifted players available in this draft, center Ray Cullen from the Minnesota North Stars. When the uh, Canucks took Cullen, the Stars protected a young forward by the name of Dan Sagan. Ray Cullen's 28 years old. He'd been with the North Stars for all three years of their existence and had 17 goals and 28 assists for many last year. Ray is a product one of the many that came out of the St. Catharines Teepees in the late 50s. The fourth round, Buffalo pick, turned out to be a young defenseman. Well, not that young, but still, he's around. He's 27 years old. Tracy Pratt from Pittsburgh, and the Canucks, at hearing of this selection, were visibly upset. They had planned on drafting Pratt themselves. He's the son of the legendary Babe Pratt, whom they just hired as an assistant to general manager Poyle. But the Canucks never dreamed that Emlach and the Sabres would take Tracy as a top 10 pick, but they did. 27 years old, Tracy spent the past season with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, he scored five goals, seven assists for 12 points. He's a six foot, 295 pound hard rock, and the Penguins filled their roster spot with Lowell McDonald when the Pratt selection was made. Number four for the Canucks was another big, tough rear guard, Pat Quinn from the Toronto Maple Leafs. The huge Irishman stands 6'3", weighs in at 205. He was with Toronto for most of last season, but he only scored five assists in 59 games. Now, Pat may look, because of his slow movements on the ice, like a bit of a dullard, but the only thing slow about Pat Quinn is his skating. Pat's studying to be a lawyer in the offseason, and there's no doubt in our minds that he's going to be just fine. To fill in for Quinn, the Leafs added young forward Rennie Robert. The fifth round saw the Buffalo Sabres pick another big rear guard, Detroit's Jim Watson, who spent nearly all of last year with Cleveland of the American Hockey League. Jim is six foot two, 186 pounds, and he had 26 points in 59 games in the American League with Cleveland. Now, I think this might have been a bit of a side deal with Sid Abel, and it remains to be seen why Imlac would do something with Abel because one of the guys that Imlac loves, Bobby Bond, was available at the time. And as soon as Watson was taken by Buffalo, the wings filled with Bond. Vancouver's fifth pick was Rosie Paymont. That's Rosaire Paymont from the Philadelphia Flyers. He's a tough cookie, a forward who likes to mix it up, and he had 28 goals with Quebec of the AHL last year, but he led the American Hockey League in penalty minutes with 242. The Flyers called back Gary Peters as their fill when Paymont was lost. 
Buffalo's sixth pick was defenseman Francois Lacombe, whom they took from the Montreal Canadiens, and the Canadiens immediately filled with with right-winger Leon Rochefort. It seemed incredible during this draft. No Montreal player had been taken until this point, but there it was. That happened. Montreal didn't have a lot of decent players available thanks to the fine job Sammy Pollock did in preparing for this draft. Now, Lacombe had just been acquired from Oakland at the trade deadline in May. He played 22 games for the Seals last year. He missed a lot of time with injury, but he did score a couple of goals. Vancouver's sixth pick was another veteran. He's Daryl Sly, who's well known to Vancouver hockey fans as he spent the 68-69 season with the Western Hockey League Canucks. A notable in his play was that he was Don Cherry's defense partner all the time. Those two are really close friends. This past season, he was in the Minnesota organization and he split time with the North Stars and their Iowa Central Hockey League farm team. When Sly was taken, the North Stars filled with center Walter McKechnie and I was surprised that no one took McKechnie in the first five rounds. The number seven pick for Buffalo was this past season's Lady Bing Trophy winner, veteran center Phil Goyetta, the St. Louis Blues, who had a career year in St. Louis this year, scoring 78 points on 29 goals and 49 assists. This was his best output ever. Uh, As we mentioned, he won the Lady Bing Trophy, but he was made available by Blues general manager Scotty Bowman as he said that the team wanted to develop younger players. As Bowman put it, we couldn't beat Boston with them, so they decided to keep younger players, and they filled with a youngish veteran in Larry Keenan. Vancouver's pick in this round was a forward by the name of Jimmy Wisty from the Blackhawks, uh, who in turn froze forward J.P. LeBlanc. Jim spent most of the time last season watching from the press box, played only 26 games, didn't score a goal, and had eight assists. Going to Buffalo in round eight was another veteran, the truculent tough guy of the Philadelphia Flyers, Reggie Fleming, and all hockey fans know of Reggie. The Flyers filled with recently acquired defenseman whom they picked up from Los Angeles, Brent Hughes. Fleming's now 34 years old and Reg is slowing down a bit, but he can still throw them with the best of them. He had 27 points for the Flyers last year on nine goals, 18 assists. Danny Johnson was selected from Toronto by the Canucks in this round with the least filling with a young defenseman named Gord Nelson. Johnson's a 26-year-old center who, with Tulsa of the Central League, had 33 goals last season. Danny's been one of those guys who's been right on the edge of an NHL job for quite a few years, and this time around, he's hoping to finally stick for good in the NHL with the Canucks. The ninth player the Buffalo selected in the draft was a well-traveled veteran named Mike McMahon who was taken from the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Penguins filled with another veteran, Bob Blackburn. Now, McMahon, who seems to have been around forever, is known mainly as an offensive rear guard. He began last season with Detroit and was swapped to Pittsburgh very early on and split the rest of the year between the Penguins and their farm team at American Hockey League Baltimore. 
Vancouver's selection was a Boston farmhand by the name of Barry Wilkins, unknown to just about everybody who was watching the proceedings. Uh, most folks had no idea who Barry is, and he was even uh, uh, le- listed as a forward on some of the accounts of this draft. But Barry plays defense. He was a mainstay for Oklahoma City of the Central League last year. And he actually scored 52 points, including 11 goals in 61 games. Uh, Barry Wilkins has a bit of a howitzer from the point, And goaltenders are going to have to be alert when he's back on the blue line. So we get to round 10 and the Sabres took Skip Craik of the LA Kings. The Kings filled with Jimmy Stanfield, that's Freddie's brother. Uh, Skip uh, Craig has been one of those workmanlike journeyman uh, hockey players. Uh, he scored 22 points in 58 games on 7 goals, 15 assists. Vancouver with their 10th pick took uh, Ralph Stewart from Montreal, and a lot of people reacted like I did. Who? Ralph Stewart? The Habs filled with Claude Provo, who's probably going to retire anyway. Uh, Stewart played with Kansas City in the Central League last year, and he had 21 goals, 21 assists in 72 games. Minnesota North Stars defenseman Jean-Guy Legacy, he's 25, was number 11 for Buffalo. That's their 11th pick. He'd only been with Minnesota for a day, having been claimed the previous afternoon by the North Stars from Pittsburgh in the interleague draft. With AHL Baltimore last year, Legacy had seven goals, 21 assists. Vancouver opted for forward Mike Corrigan from the Los Angeles Kings. The Kings, in turn, protected veteran defenseman Noel Price. Corrigan, he's only 24 years old, originally was in the Toronto organization when he played junior, and last year had 10 points in 36 games with L.A. At number 12 for Buffalo, right winger Craig Cameron of the Los Angeles Kings. Now, he's another guy that moved in the interleague draft yesterday, the day before, when uh, the Kings claimed him from the Pittsburgh Penguins. They didn't protect him, and the Sabres took him. Vancouver followed with a player whose name has been very much in the news this past season, but not for anything positive. Wayne Mackey was taken by the Blues, who added Terry Crisp, to their list in turn. Wayne spent most of the past season with the American Hockey League Buffalo Bisons, but he got into 16 games with the Blues, scoring two goals and an assist. Wayne gets a pass from us on a bad year, mainly because he had so much on his mind last season. Uh, You know what I'm speaking about, that awful stick-swinging duel in which Bruins' Ted Green suffered the fractured skull. Round 13 got underway, with Buffalo taking defenseman Chris Evans from the St. Louis Blues. Evans is well known to punch him like as he's another product of the Maple Leaf organization, which at that time was being run by Imlac. Evans had been rumored all week as a sure bet to end up in Buffalo, and that's one rumor at least that came true. Evans is another guy that arrived in St. Louis only yesterday after they had claimed him from Phoenix of the Western Hockey League in that intra-league draft. His NHL rights had belonged to Toronto, as we said. It turned out that there was talk the Maple Leafs would be having to pay Phoenix three new players 
because Johnson, Quinn, and Evans apparently had been promised to the Phoenix Roadrunners by the Maple Leafs before the draft. A very complicated and convoluted situation, and hopefully we'll get an answer to just how all this is going to unfold after the smoke clears here. The Vancouver pick in this round, by the way, was Eddie Hatoum from the Detroit Red Wings, who is the first player born in Lebanon to play in the NHL, and the Red Wings added winger Tom Martin to their protective list, and he's another one. They picked him up yesterday from Toronto in the interleague draft. The 14th round pick for Buffalo was uh, defenseman Doug Berry, who came from Pittsburgh. Doug Berry's main claim to fame is that he is a largely unknown part of the March 1968 trade between Toronto and Detroit that saw Frank Mahovlich and Norm Ullman switch uniforms. In this round, the Canucks took a defenseman named Paul Popeil, who is a native of Denmark, and he played last season with the Red Wings and also with the American Hockey League Cleveland Barons. In 34 games with Detroit, Popeil did not score a goal, but he had four assists. In round 15, the Sabres took a young forward by the name of Jerry Meehan from the Philadelphia Flyers. Jerry's a left-wing center, who another one who came up through the Toronto organization, and he was traded by the Leafs to Philadelphia in the deal that sent Britt Selby back to the Leafs from the Flyers. Jerry spent this past season on loan to the Western Hockey League Seattle Totems. We had a pretty good year for a youngster with 23 goals in 68 games. And the Vancouver 15th round pick, another Toronto shadow, Ron Ward. He was a leading scorer for a couple years in the Central League. He finally sort of stuck with the Leafs last year, but he spent a lot of time in the press box, notching only one assist in 18 games, and he's hoping to get a regular role with the Canucks. Round 16 began with the Buffalo Sabres selecting a defenseman by the name of Paul Turbenchy, who was taken from Chicago. Chicago filled in with veteran Lou Angotti, whom they really didn't want to lose. Turbenchy, he played for Portland of the Western Hockey League last year, and he'll at least be a little familiar to Buffalo, at least Buffalo fans who are from the Niagara area. He played all his junior hockey with the St. Catharines Blackhawks. Vancouver's 16th choice was another defenseman, and he was John Shella, who was taken from the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, I know. We'd never heard of John Shella either. Hopefully we'll hear a lot more if he makes the Canucks. He had been the past two seasons with the Denver Spurs of the Western Hockey League, and that might explain why we haven't heard much about John. He is a competent Western Hockey League kind of player, but it's unclear whether he's got the stuff to transfer those results to an NHL schedule. So round 17 saw the Sabres take forward Brian Perry from the Oakland Seals, who immediately filled with veteran Jerry Eamon, who I must admit I had figured had retired long ago. He'd been around since Toby was a pup. Perry had 34 games with the Seals last year. Actually, not bad results. Six goals and 18 assists. Sorry, six goals, eight assists. Shouldn't get carried away there. He's only 26 and another one of those bubble guys. Always seemed right on the edge of making it in the NHL, but never able to crack a regular lineup. Vancouver's selection was a guy that most people know about, Bobby Dillabo from the Seals, who filled with defenseman Dick Mattiusi. 
Dillabow is an industrious, hard-working, penalty-killing, checking type. Likes to mix it up in the corners. He's got decent defensive skills. And he can kill the penalties regularly. Bob has had to deal with uh, more than his share of injuries the past few years. And he's hoping to be past all that. So that brought us to round 18 of the skaters. The final round of the skater draft. The final skater taken by Buffalo in round 18 was Howie Menard from Oakland. Howie was a great junior player in Hamilton, but that was like eight years ago. And he's never been a star in the NHL up to now, although he's had chances with the Kings, the Blackhawks, and the Seals. He's now 28 and split last year between the Hawks and the Seals. The last skater taken in the draft was taken by Vancouver and is a fellow named Garth Rizzuto. And you'll have to look that one up because I don't think he spent too much time in the big league. With Dallas of last season, Rizzuto did score 20 goals in 72 games. Now we move to the goaltender phase of the draft where each of Buffalo and Vancouver would select two goalkeepers. And remember, no team could lose more than one. This time around, the order of selection was reversed and the Canucks had the first pick and they took what's probably the best goalkeeper available in this draft, 22-year-old Dunk Wilson from Philadelphia. Dunk uh, had a decent year with the American Hockey League Quebec Aces last year. And as we said, he's young, only 22. But it's also been said that Dunk is not a real good dressing room influence, even at his young age. And the one thing he may lack is personality. Buffalo's choice was equally... Uh, uh, inexperienced. He is Norman Rocky Farr, who was taken out of the Montreal system. Rocky's only 23 and a native of Toronto, like Dunk Wilson. He played for Denver last year with stats that weren't all that encouraging, and he's obviously a project for Punch Imlac. Punch Imlac already has Joe Daly on hand, having picked him up on waivers yesterday, and he figured he might as well get a good kid he could develop with the first pick. Vancouver's second goalie pick was known by pretty well everybody at the meetings and it was veteran Charlie Hodge who spent the bulk of his career with the Montreal Canadiens but was also the first pick by the Seals when they took their goalkeepers in 1967 and Charlie was taken from the Seals this time. He's going to be 37 in a little more than a month but he should be a decent influence on the youngster Dunk Wilson. The expansion draft ended with the Buffalo Sabres selecting another Toronto native, and he is Gary Edwards. He was a St. Louis uh, property, and another young one, only 22 years old. He spent most of last year with the Kansas City Blues of the Central League, and he had a pretty decent record. Gary has uh, improved well since coming out of junior. He might be a dark horse to earn an NHL job. Well, that, now that the ag expansion draft had been completed, folks kind of took a breath. They were sitting back, kind of letting things settle. But only a few minutes after Gary Edwards was announced as the last selection, Sid Abel of the Red Wings, their general manager, got to the podium and made another announcement that he had made a trade. This one 
put the Bruins in a tizzy once again. Abel announced that he had acquired right-winger Tom Webster, the first choice in the draft by Buffalo, from the Sabres. Going to the Sabres was former, now former, Red Wing goalie Roger Crozier. It all became clear why Imlach had made the selections he did in the draft. Bruins general manager Milt Schmidt was livid. He said he'd made a previous deal with Imlach whereby Punch would take Garnet Bailey with the first selection, but Schmidt never mentioned what Buffalo would receive for allowing the Bruins to keep Webster. Punch said that that was the problem. He never did have a firm commitment of any kind from Boston to pass on Webster and take Ace Bailey, whom he said he might not have he might have taken anyway. Enter Sid Abel, who on the morning of the draft sent Ned Harkness to Imlac with an offer of Crozier to the Sabres if Punch would select Webster and send him to the Red Wings. Punch, knowing full well that a top-notch goalie is going to have to be a must for a new team, he sees the opportunity presented by Abel, and at least both of those teams were happy, especially Imlac and the Sabres. So that brought us to Thursday, and Thursday's highlight would be the all-important amateur draft. By this time of the week, it certainly appeared that the NHL as a whole was pretty much all drama out. They didn't need any more drama. The order of the selection in this draft had been well established, and all the trades involving draft picks that would be taken this afternoon had been completed. This amateur draft, as we mentioned, was historic because in previous years, not all graduating junior players from Canada were available. Up until last year, the first two French-Canadian players were reserved for the Montreal Canadiens if they wanted them. And also, players who had been signed to C-forms by the established six teams many years earlier had been more or less grandfathered to those teams. Those players were never available in the previous times as well. So this time... Every junior player turning 20 and wanting to go pro was there to be selected in this draft. There were several hundred, couple hundred players almost taken in this draft, so we're not going to go through every one. Uh, we'll give you the highlights and, and the first few players that went in the first round. For the first few selections, things went pretty much as predicted, although it has to be mentioned that the scouting in those days was not as extensive or comprehensive as it is today. To say scouting in those days was an inexact science would be an understatement given the resources that were available to those guys. So when you look at the list, actually these teams did pretty well. Buffalo once again kicked off the festivities by announcing the expected choice of center Gilbert Perrault from the Montreal Junior Canadiens, and he's a guy that actually needed no introduction. Vancouver was next, and they took Dale Talon of the Toronto Marlboros. That was not much of a surprise, but there was some speculation that they might opt for right winger Reggie Leach from Flin Flon, but Talon was their choice. He's a center who can also play defense very well, and he might actually be a better golfer than a hockey player, and he's a darn good hockey player. The third pick in the draft belonged to the National Hockey League's worst team last year, the Los Angeles Kings, but they never got to use it because they had previously traded the pick 
to the Boston Bruins, who wasted no time taking right winger Reggie Leach from Flin Flon of the Western Canada Junior Hockey League. The Bruins also owned the next pick in the draft, number four, and they took a stylish center from the Peterborough Peets of the OHA Junior A Series, Rick McLeish. Montreal picked at number five, and they took Flin Flon goalie Ray Martiniak. Ray was an outstanding goalkeeper in junior hockey, and uh, he just never was able to transfer that success to the NHL. The sixth pick also belonged to Montreal, and they selected a player from Canada's national team, forward Chuck Lefley. He uh, was notable because he was one of these junior players who had already retained the services of a lawyer to negotiate his contract. The lawyer he selected was Bob Wolf of Boston, who represents Derek Sanderson, among others. At number seven, the Penguins collected left-winger Greg Polis, who played for the Estevan Bruins of the Western Canada League. The eighth pick of the draft belonged to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they grabbed London National Centre Daryl Sittler. As history would show, when, as they usually do, the Leafs said they were a surprise that the player they wanted was still available at their turn, this is one time when the team saying that would have been correct. The ninth player taken, another pick by Boston, using the pick they acquired from St. Louis for Jim Lorenz, they took defenseman Ron Plum of Peterborough. Going to the California Seals, Oakland Seals, with the 10th uh, uh, pick was a center by the name of Chris Odlifson, who played for the Winnipeg Jets of the Western Canada League last year. And number 11 was the Rangers' turn, and they took right-winger Normie Gratton from the Montreal Junior Canadiens, and he was notable because of frequent line mate of Gilbert Perrault. Number 12 for Detroit was Serge Lajeunesse of the Junior Canadiens, a versatile player equally adept on the forward line or used as a rear guard. Lucky 13 of the first round was Boston's fourth pick, Oshawa defenseman Bob Stewart, who might have gone earlier, but he's still recuperating from severe injuries he suffered in a recent car accident in his hometown of Oshawa. And the final pick of the first round belonged to the Chicago Blackhawks, who took a truculent left winger who played for the London Knights. That would be Dan Maloney. There were some other significant selections as the draft unfolded. We've got a few of them for you here. Fellow by the name of Bill Clement, who we probably know more for his television work than his play, he was picked by the Flyers, 18th overall, and the Maple Leafs with the the 22nd pick in the draft took a left winger Errol Thompson. Al McDonough, a high-scoring junior with St. Catharines of the OHA, went to the Kings 24th, and the very next pick, number 25, saw Mike Murphy go to the New York Rangers. Goalie Dan Bouchard played for London last year. He went to the Bruins at number 27. And Yvonne Lambert, who made his name with the Montreal Canadiens, a lot of people don't know this, he was picked by the Detroit Red Wings, 40th overall. At number 59 was the first of three goaltenders that uh, we'll talk about. Number 59, Billy Smith to the Los Angeles Kings. Then at number 70, 
The Blackhawks took a youngster out of Quebec by the name of Joe Malash, and the next goalkeeper of note was picked by the Maple Leafs at number 103 out of Western Canada, a fellow by the name of Ron Lowe. Of course, everyone proclaimed how happy they were to have gotten the players they did with their picks. But overall, the draft, aside from the uh, hype of the first two picks, it was a fairly low-key event. There were no trades made during the draft. And uh, compared to the glamour, glitz, and overhype that hockey fans are subjected to 50 years later at these drafts, it was a pretty mundane affair. Uh, We didn't see the things we see now with guys getting up, walking across to another table and switching picks and even players. They just did their business and they did it pretty well. Now you you wonder about picks and things that happen. And a question I always ask is, do you think trading a first round pick is a good idea or a bad idea? Now as we we review what happened in the amateur draft today, uh, I guess it all depends where the uh, pick that's traded lands in the order of the draft trading a first rounder is especially risky if you don't know just where you're going to be picking when you trade that pick it can also be risky if you haven't done your homework and have figured out who might be available with the pick you're trading away certainly teams like minnesota los angeles and oakland among others learn that and then we have the case of scotty bowman of the st louis blues scotty came out and said weeks before that expansion teams trading the first round pick is something that has really contributed to the negative effects of expansion and it's holding them back in developing their teams and that makes perfect sense and then just before this draft started a couple days ago Bowman seemed extremely hypocritical when he traded his first round pick in this draft to Boston for a a center by the name of Jim Lorenz. Now Boston took defenseman Ron Plum with that pick. Scotty Bowman figured that Lorenz would be better than anybody available at number nine. Was he? Do you think Bowman would have rather had Chris Odlifson who went 10th? or any of the others that went later in that first round. It makes an interesting case study for some pretty good researchers. I think it would be something to look into. So that, boys and girls, is our bonus episode for this week. We hope you've enjoyed some insight in how the expansion and amateur drafts were carried out 50 years ago. And we'll ask ourselves, uh, what did we learn in this bonus episode? Well, we had a chance to meet all the players who will form the rosters of the Buffalo Sabres and Vancouver Canucks this fall. We saw how the NHL amateur draft would unfold, and with the benefit of hindsight, just how proficient those National Hockey League general managers and scouts were at identifying prospects who might excel in the NHL. And we learned 
that Punch Imlach is still as wily as ever in his role as the general manager coach of the Buffalo Sabres as he landed a top goalie in Roger Crozier who of course made his name with the Red Wings. So what we'll do now is we'll take a little bit of a break until next week when we'll return with the rest of the news that was made in the NHL meetings this week and in the days immediately after and we'll fill you in on our plans for the rest of the summer. The 50 Years Ago in Hockey podcast, as usual, is produced by Andy Cole, who does such a great job. The very popular Juno-nominated Toronto indie rock group Rural Alberta Advantage provides our intro and exit music, and other sound effects come from Andy Cole as well. Most of our research comes from the newspapers found at newspapers.com and also files of the Toronto Globe and Mail and the Toronto Star. Don't forget to give a listen to the Council of Council of Dads podcast hosted by Andy Cole and also Cole Osborne. And each week they provide a a often hilarious, semi-serious look at the popular television show Council of Dads. You can find us on Twitter at at Hockey50Years, on Facebook under the 50 50 Years Ago in Hockey banner, and at our WordPress site, Hockey50YearsAgo.com. And this uh, podcast is also available on YouTube, and you can find it by searching 50 Years Ago in Hockey. Thanks again to everyone who uh, turns in. We've enjoyed bringing this to you every week. And on that note, we will see you next time. When the 